Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a podcast on Christian faith and 21st century life. I'm Lindsay Funtick, inviting all seekers to ponder profound things free of charge. All right, good day, everybody. Welcome to a to Faith Seeking Understanding. I am Alan Bevere, your host. I am a pastor, retired, though interim gigging at the moment. I am a professor. I am uh, a Bible moth, a theologian in exile, and a peddler of hope. And I am the self-appointed Anselm of Canterbury Chair of Podcast Theology and Culture here at Faith Seeking Understanding University, a completely fabricated institution of higher learning. But we're all seekers are invited to ponder profound things free of charge. And this is another episode of one of our programs called The Wesleyan Way, where we talk about all things Wesleyan. Uh, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest this t- uh, today, as we as we have some conversation, is the Reverend Craig Adams. Uh, Craig is a retired elder uh, in the United Methodist Church, a member of the Michigan Conference, and uh, Craig uh, has uh, been an online presence uh, in Wesleyan circles for many years, and currently he uh, is the administrator of the Facebook page called Wesley Wesleyan Holiness Heritage. And so we want to talk about Wesleyan Holiness Heritage today. Craig, welcome and thanks for, for, for doing this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good. To, and finally, good to at least see you face to face. We've known each yeah. other um, for 20 years, but this is the first time actually we're interacting face to face. So right. but it, it's good, it's good to it's good to see you. So a little background here. You you have been um uh, you and I, uh, we talked a little bit about this before we went on air. You and I were, um, uh, we sort of got our feet wet in the blogosphere 20 some years ago. Um, you had a blog and everything. And uh, but, so why, why don't you just go through that a little bit about how you kind of uh, uh, moved through this uh, social media age and what you've done to where you are now? Well, there was a uh, an era before that. Oh, Okay. Before that, I was involved in the uh, uh, the Usenet. Why? It was a moment before I could even think of the term anymore. It used to be when you had an ISP, you had uh, a Usenet account as well. So I and I got curious about it, and I found uh, oh dear, this I didn't even know I was going to mention this now. Alt Methodist something or other, and uh, and I was very active on the Methodist news group. Uh, and then I got interested in, uh, well, what are some things I could post on the uh, Methodist news, news Group? And besides news from the Methodist News Agency, I started to post chapters from old holiness books, which is a reflection of my background, the influences on me when I became a Christian. And uh, so I started going through old holiness books. Then I started to complete them. And I and on our church website, I put up some of these old holiness books by Daniel Steele and and others. And uh, uh, and then when the blogosphere came along, I got on board with that. So and social media. Well, let's see. There was Usenet. Then there were Yahoo groups. 
then there was social media and the blogosphere. And uh, so I'm, my website's still up. It's not updated anymore. I noticed on there, I need to uh, get to the biography page and change my age. It's been several, <laughs> several years since I, I'm, I'm currently 74. So I think it's a 68. So I, it's been a while since I've updated that page. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I don't update it anymore. I wish I could get back into that again. I would love to be writing again. I just don't. Yeah. I really have time to do that anymore. Yeah. Things life, life moves on. Yeah. Does. Yeah. Um, and you started, you started a Facebook page. So Wesley and Holiness Heritage, uh, and folks, we're going to put all this stuff, links and stuff in the description so you can, uh, uh access that how many how many how many members of that page now do you have <laughs> i've got a lot i've got you do i i've got a lot the, i actually didn't start it there was a guy i was searching for pages like that i yeah. just put the wesleyan in the search bar and i was looking around for things and i found this group wesleyan holiness heritage which well, that fits me to a T. So uh, there was a guy named Kurt Bowers who had started that. And uh, and he and I got very involved and was posting material from old holiness books because uh, I had all that. And uh, and he asked me to uh, uh, be the co-editor of that. So I and then Kurt died shortly after that. And I, his, what was Kurt, his last name again? I'm sorry. His name was Kurt Bowers. Okay. No okay. much about Kurt. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, he was very, very conservative and I'm maybe not, mm -hmm. certainly not politically, um, but we got along well. Mm -hmm. We were a good balance. And uh, when questions came up, do we accept this post or not? Uh, we had different perspectives on it. So it was helpful. But then Kurt unexpectedly died. He had a heart attack. I do not know Kurt except from the internet. It's like I don't know you except from the internet. Um, and when he died and I inherited the group. So I've done whatever I can to try to move it forward. Um, I used to post links in Methodist uh, discussion groups, other Methodist discussion groups to see if I could get members. Now I don't seem to need to do that. I always, every week, I have some new people that have joined, so it seems to be have its own momentum now. Well, that's one of the pages I check every day. I I, I like to see what's being posted on there and, and uh -huh. what, what folks are doing. So it's a great page. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about that. So, okay, so the name of the page is uh, you know it didn't start with you, but obviously you you uh, uh, the language of Wesleyan holiness heritage is something you embrace. So I I wanted to ask you. Um, I'm not sure whether I should, should should separate for discussion the word heritage from Wesleyan holiness or put them both together. Um, what, why is, the, let's do it this way. Why is the Wesleyan holiness heritage important? Let's start with that. Well, let me, let me say why it's important to me. Okay. Um, it's important to me because that's the context of my early Christian life. I was really brought up in the, uh, for lack of a better term, liberal church, the more social type church, the uh, congregational church that became UCC a long, long ago. Um, and I was confirmed in, uh, in that church and uh, just incredibly bored by church, 
just had to dress up, had to behave. Uh, I didn't like church. I would have dropped out if I had that option, which I didn't. And uh, so it was only much later in my life that I heard the gospel in a way that related to my life and talking about uh, forgiveness, and a new life. And uh, somebody said, uh, there's an empty place. <laughs> this is a preacher thing. There's an empty place in your life and only God can fill it. <laughs> I'm going, well, okay, there's an empty place in my life. Maybe, maybe that's what I need to fill it. And uh, so I came to Christ in the context of a holiness camp meeting, of an evangelist preaching that. So it was the early stages of my life were formed by people in the holiness movement and to a lesser degree in the Pentecostal movement as well. And uh, that's why it's important to me. Oh, the other thing. <laughs> Here's what I need to say about that. The message that they gave at camp meeting was frustrating to me. It was about, okay, you need to be saved. But then there's this other thing. You need to be sanctified, or they'd say entirely sanctified. Tonight at the altar, you know, we're going to sing, and we, there's a few more seekers who need to come to the altar to be sanctified tonight. And uh, I was a young man struggling with uh, sexual urges and feeling guilty about it and all of that. So I'm coming to the altar saying, okay, this is going to, I'm, I'm going to get a helping of the Holy Spirit here that's going to solve this problem, you know, uh, I, and it didn't work. Yeah. So I'm at the altar and I'm praying and I, and problem not solved. So I think most people, um, normal, sensible people, I guess, would at that point give up, say, all right, that's enough of that. That message, that solution, that doesn't work. Instead, I got really fascinated with that whole thing. What was entire sanctification? What was it really? What, what was that all about? And that's what got me interested in the 19th century holiness writers. Uh, what were they talking about? What were they offering? What was that? What was it? And uh, that, so that question has continued to inform my thinking and my spiritual journey ever since then. I'm still looking into that going, what is this? You know, yeah. It, yeah uh, and uh, can I experience it myself? Can I recommend it to others? How do I talk to other people about it? How do I invite people into the, the life of sanctification, uh, the life of the spirit? How do I experience, how do I help other people along this journey? Because I found this message to be frustrating and yet upon looking into it, wonderful. Yeah, compelling. Yeah, 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 compelling. yeah you, you, uh, you remind me of a quote from C.S. Lewis who said, um, and I'm not gonna get it quite right, but I'll give you the gist of it. And it's um, when people who, people who uh, have a negative view of holiness don't really understand what holiness is because when you encounter the real thing, it is irresistible. Yes, yeah. yes. And, yeah. and uh, so, so uh, one of the things that I like about some of the stuff that you post is you clearly, uh, you have, you have in, and it sounds like in your own personal search and experience that you navigate kind of a third way, which is a very Wesleyan thing to do, uh, 
between the I, between what I'm going to and I'm going to use some labels here, but I don't mean to label people, but I want to just sort of for, for sake of clarity, you tend to navigate between what I'm going to call the more conservative accounts of holiness that tends to be kind of legalism or tends to be this, as you say, this you've got to have it tonight. Um, I was in a Methodist church many years ago where they they like to talk about sinless perfection, which, of course, is a term Wesley never used this kind of one-off thing or or kind of legalism and the more mainline uh, in our context, Wesley is still Wesley, where holiness really is not a big thing. I mean, we say we we say it matters to us, but we don't talk much about it. In fact, we get a little nervous when people talk holiness, partly because it has been abused and misused, right? So for you, what when people say, what what is holiness? Um, how would you, how would you, you want to explain it to people. So here I am asking you, what, what is holiness? What, what would you say? Well, we can't get beyond the definition that Jesus gives us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's yeah. what it is. And, and we never really get beyond that definition. We can talk about other things. We can talk about the power of the spirit. We can talk about prayers of consecration, all those things. Those are our, our means to an end. And the end is to love God, to love other people. And, and with our whole being, um, it's about bringing our whole self in conformity to the image of Christ. Mm. So that we can live out a Christ-like life here on earth. That's what it's all about. And yeah, it's about love and justice and righteousness and all these things. But really, it can't finally be codified in some kind of list of rules and regulations. Because honestly, at some point, your list may be different than mine. There are things that I can't do that maybe you can do. And that's all right. But to be faithful, it's something I can't do. It's like my friends who are alcoholic. They can't even have a drink at all. And it's and and that's part of their faithfulness, and it's important. Yeah. Um, so everybody's journey is unique, but the goal is the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I think point. Wesley fell back on that kind of a definition of holiness too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They I agree. Finally, oppressed, they all do. Yeah. Uh, that's what Thomas Upham would say. That's what Daniel Steele would say. Oppressed. Uh, I I presume that's what Phoebe Palmer would say. Oppressed. Um, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbors, ourselves. You can't yeah. go beyond that. Yeah. You just learn more and more of what that means. Yeah. Pretty hard to improve on Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this question. So, so, because you mentioned a few names there. So in your reading on holiness and your research over the years, uh, what, what writers, what thinkers have really influenced you? Because I don't think, I'm not so sure, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and maybe it's just because of the circles I'm in. I don't know that some of those folks are getting a lot of traction anymore in reading. Uh, no, and and uh, so um, I'll tell you, well, and so what I want to do, by the way, is you mentioned some of this, some of these people have influenced you. And I'll try and make sure if I get some links in the descriptions of people want to pursue that any further. But who, who's influenced you? Well, let me let me mention one right who's writing right now uh, that that I believe is important. T.A. Noble, um, and I don't remember the book that he wrote on Christian perfecting. T.A. Noble, I believe he's a Nazarene scholar, 
And I believe he is working on a systematic theology at this time. So uh, there's a writer to look at and look for. In terms of the the Wesleyan writers, I, I'm not good with dates, Alan, but I think of it as a series of waves. In Methodism, there was a first wave. That's Wesley, John Fletcher, Adam Clark, also Joseph Benson, but Benson's commentary is kind of an expansion on Wesley's explanatory notes. So I don't think he really adds that much except verbiage. <laughs> uh, so primarily, Wesley, Fletcher, Clark. The next wave is um, American writers that uh, Phoebe Palmer, Thomas Upham. That I should mention some more in there, but I'm, my uh, memory's failing me. Uh, but there's uh, there's two. Thomas Upham is very important to me. Uh, and, and that's kind of the second wave. Thomas Upham is fascinating. He's a Congregationalist minister. He is interested in the spiritual life and in uh, the mystical tradition. The con what we now call the contemplative writers in the Roman Catholic Church and so forth. In those days, you could draw from um, Francis Fenelon and Madame Guyon because they were considered um, heretical to the Roman Catholics. So it was okay for Protestants to read them. <laughs> so uh, these are people that Upham has read. Then he encounters Phoebe Palmer and her Tuesday meetings for the promotion of holiness. And he feels that this holiness message is exactly what he's been studying about in the mystical writers. And he wrote a series of books explaining and defending the uh, the holiness teaching. And I, it's so frustrating that uh, Thomas Upham is, is forgotten today. Yeah. But he didn't come out of the Wesleyan tradition. He came out of Congregationalism. He hit upon this thing and he said, oh, that's what I've that's what I've been talking about. So uh, there's an that's kind of like the second wave. So you've got sometimes Phoebe Palmer is called the mother of the holiness movement. She was very serious, very strict kind of person, kind of shaped the whole thing. Uh, she was the woman that would come to the altar and say, "Come and be entire, entirely sanctified today, tonight." You know, we'll sing another song. Come on. And uh, I'll. Uh, you don't know what to pray. I'll tell you what to pray. And and then I want you to stand up and say you've been entirely sanctified tonight and you're free from inward sin. Uh, yeah. So that shaped the holiness movement that was to follow, which to me was a third wave kind of reactionary. This is where we find J.A. Wood. Uh, Daniel Steele, who I do admire, and uh, uh, many, 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 many others. Uh, too, uh, too many to name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there were there was just in the nineteenth century, the holiness revival movement was a powerful movement, and uh, it even affected uh, people in the Reformed tradition because people like Asa Mahan. And Charles Finney started sounding like Wesleyans. Yeah. As they became part of this revival movement as well. And were, well, I mean, major forces in their revival movement. 
Uh, have I named enough writers? I, I have named know. plenty. I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that strikes me too in the in our conversations about holiness today uh, is that often we uh, pit holiness against grace. Right. That somehow holiness and grace are tensions, and when you read Wesley, that is not the case, right? I mean, grace right. is transforming. Uh, could you talk a little bit about Wesley's, well, that's the other thing we talk about, you know, uh, and I want you to talk a little bit about this, about, uh, a prevenient grace, justifying grace and sanctifying grace. Um, the one thing I've noticed about Methodists is we're really, we really like prevenient grace, <laughs> right. uh, and, and, uh, we're good with justifying grace, but sanctifying grace doesn't come into the discussion too much. Or perfecting grace but can you kind of talk a little bit about what wesley means by that when he talks about these three kinds or uh forms of grace um yeah it's all one mm -hmm. uh god's uh intentions for us are the same throughout when we experience different kinds of grace it's because we're at a different point in our life Prevenient grace is God's grace on our life, and we're not aware of it. It's uh, justifying grace is when we become aware and we respond to that grace initially. We realize we need to make change in our life, and uh, so we're seeking forgiveness and reconciliation with God. Sanctifying grace is when we realize, oh, I need to offer my whole self to God, and I can do that, and I and God is trustable. So that I can do that. So there are various stages of grace as we go along. It's all the same grace. And God's intention for us is the same throughout. But we're at a different place. So we experience God's grace differently. Um, I wish Methodists would read a plain account of Christian perfection. Yeah. Why not? We say we're Methodists. We talk about John Wesley all the time. He wrote a classic of the spiritual life, which remains unread. Not only is it unread, Methodists do not know what that book is. And they certainly don't know what's in it, because I've heard him preach. Um, I think just reading it, and reading it in an updated version that would allow you to understand what he's actually saying, would make Methodists and anybody really go gulp. Does he really mean that? And he does. Um, some years ago, uh, Stephen Manskar, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting away from your initial. No, no, this is a good question. I've, I've had several oh. conversations with Steve, yeah. Yeah, uh, did an updated version of uh, Wesley's Plain Account of Christian Perfection mm -hmm. called A Perfect Love. It's set up in chapters updated language with discussion questions. Um, another theologian uh, from, uh, from Claremont, a process theologian, what's her name? Margaret something. She wrote notes uh, uh, on the, the text as well, and they're really helpful. I, I'm not advocating process theology, but her comments are terrific. That book is an attempt to make a plain account of Christian perfection accessible for Methodists. And if 
Methodists should read the book and should study it and discuss it, get together with some others uh, that would be willing to read it and go through that. Um, it'll give you a whole different perspective on uh, the spiritual life and what God is doing in your life and, and all of that. Uh, and go back to the source, go back to Wesley. I, I like many of the holiness writers. I mentioned Thomas Upham and Daniel Steele. I, I really am fond of, of what they did. But gee, go back to Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, these other writers are, and I think that last wave of holiness writers, there were a lot of them, but you know what? They were, they were really quite reactionary, uh, trying to hold on to a Wesleyan distinctive in a, in a legalistic and reactionary kind of fashion. Yeah. And that wasn't helpful. And I think they oversold <laughs> you know, what the experience could bring. I yeah. mean, that's what I experienced when I was in camp meeting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, this is a real thing. And uh, and they were trying to hold on to that, but just, yeah. 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 Um, I I appreciate that. And, you know, you were talking about a plain account of Christian perfection, which I've read more, more than once. Um, uh, so so often it is the tr truth, and it's not just true with we Methodists and Wesleyans, but it's probably true, I'm sure, with Lutherans and Calvinists and all of those who are in different traditions, that so many people who are in that tradition, the only thing they really know about that tradition is just a few select quotes uh, right. from people. And right. and uh, you and I, we won't go into, we don't take time to do this, but you and I probably both know well the three or four or five quotes uh, that people love to trot out about Wesley on social meet Wesley on social media that sort of explains everything. <laughs> it's, and, you know, it's kind of like proof texting the Bible. And, uh, uh, and then sometimes we even quote Wesley that was things that Wesley said that he didn't say. And uh, so, so yeah. it gets kind of frustrating because, you know, if you, it's true, isn't it true, Craig, that if you really want to know, and you, you know, and you obviously know this, if you want to know the subject, you've got to delve into it. You've got to read it. You've got to, if you want to know Wesley, you got to read Wesley. If you want to know, you know, uh, about grace, uh, you got to read it. And, and, and um, you know, it's not sufficient enough just to uh, throw out a few quote here, quotes here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned Manscar's edition because now United Methodist churches and pastors have no excuse. No excuse. There's a version set up for small group discussion updated language, discussion questions, the whole thing. Uh, there's no reason you can't read that. Yes, to turn a phrase on. It'll make you go gulp. If you read it, yeah. you will go gulp. Did he Absolutely. mean that? And Absolutely. That's why you need to read it. Yeah. Yeah, so to turn a phrase uh, uh, on Paul and Romans, one fellow Methodist and Wesleyans, because of Steve Manscar, you are without excuse. You can read this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Um, where do you think, um, and let's just turn a little bit to us United Methodists, because we're both United Methodists, and I'm sure this will benefit our Wesleyan listeners who are not Methodists, but, but where, you know, if you could address uh, a gathering of United Methodist pastors, um, what would you want to challenge him on other than reading a plain account of Christian perfection? I mean, where would you want to say to us uh, where you think we've kind of fallen down on the holiness thing? 
Um, and what what do we need to do as we lead our congregations uh, uh, as as Wesleyans who believe that holiness matters? Um, I don't know. That's that's a big challenge. And huge, uh, it's a huge challenge. I'm not looking for I'm not looking for the exact perfect answer. I don't want to come uh, as to any group as if I'm the person with all the answers. But I just really wish we would take more seriously the holiness themes in the scriptures. The the common um, reform, neo-reformed uh, response to the holiness movement is, uh, well, where's that in the Bible? And my feeling is, oh, gee, read the Bible. It's everywhere. Yeah. All the holiness is everywhere. It's all through the whole thing. The issue is whether it's by my works, my efforts, my industry, or whether it's by faith. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. That's what that whole emphasis on entire sanctification, consecration, that's what that was all about. Because sanctification is by faith. It's by God's grace in my life at every step of the way. And so that's why you were supposed to come to the altar twice. Because the first time didn't do the whole job. You got to come. Actually, that's not all wrong. If sanctification is by faith, then I do need to take that step. I yeah. do need to offer myself as a living sacrifice. Um, that is important. Um, so how do I address the the company of uh, United Methodists? I don't even know. Well, I, you know, I, one of the so let me throw this at you is maybe this will maybe this will uh, kind of contribute to the conversation. One of the things that concerns me is um, I think sometimes what happens in United Methodist circles is we don't talk a lot about holiness because we want to promote the notion of God's grace being inclusive. Yes. And of course, God's grace is inclusive. I mean, I think Wesley, I think Wesley would have would have believed that, that that God, that God's grace there is is inclusion, that, that God is invited and welcomed all. So I don't think that that's wrong. I just think that sometimes we promote inclusiveness in a way that we're afraid to talk about holiness because I guess we're afraid that could exclude. And and so that's what bothers me. I wish we would say, okay, yes. I mean, you know, we Wesleyans, yes, we should be able to talk about inclusive grace and also talk about transforming grace and holiness. Right. So right. that's one of the places where where I'm I wonder. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I have a similar frustration with uh inclusiveness because I, I, to me, the whole Wesleyan perspective, inclusiveness is part of it. We believe that Christ died for everyone. Yeah. We don't believe in a limited atonement. We believe in unlimited. Yes, God has a plan that has to do with everybody. I, God's intention is for salvation for everybody. Whether that happens or not, that's God's intention. And so grace is inclusive. That's not an issue. Or it should be. It shouldn't be for Wesleyans, <laughs> all those Wesleyans that haven't read a plain account. Well, they, <laughs> we should already be on that. We, we should be there. Yes, yeah. everybody's included. Everybody can come. All are welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I see that more and more. And it's kind of like a code word. You know, at the bottom of the church sign, it says, all are welcome. Okay. Yeah. So what was the case before you put that there? You know, it's well, exactly right. And and yeah. and on all our welcome and just understand though, it's like when you say reading Wesley's account, did he say that? 
all are welcome, but be ready because that wonderful transforming yeah. grace of God will come upon you and be prepared that you will never again be the same. Right. 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 Because God wants to trans, God invites all and God invites all into this transforming experience of the gospel. Right. And uh, I don't, and so again, we kind of pit that stuff against each other and that, that always has concerned me. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to, we need to have small groups where we can study the scriptures together. And, yeah. and it's not just a matter of the preacher telling you what changes you need to make in your life. It's a matter of us together opening the scriptures and discovering what Christ wants in our life. Yeah. We come from very, very different places. We're very different people. Yeah, you talk about small groups. Steve Manscar told me one time, this was this has been 10 years now at least, he and I were having dinner one night and Steve uh, told me that, um, he, you know, he he would like, he liked to go to uh, some of these different conferences. You know, Adam Hamilton puts on these conferences for people in church and wow. all that stuff and other, other places do it as well. And um, he would go to these conferences and then he, he, would, he told me, he said that after after the session sometimes or he would talk to some of the speakers who who were not methodists they were not united methodists uh -huh. and and uh he would talk to them and just have conversation and then when they found out he was united methodist he, he would say to him you guys wrote the book on this wesley wrote the book on this you guys need to get back to that you know you 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 drop the ball because you know they're all doing the small group stuff and they're doing all that other kind of thing and he says you guys are the ones you know who right. crafted this and you've lost it. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that story. Never. Yep. So um yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Class meetings are not even in living memory anymore. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Actually, the uh the evangelical association kept class meetings going for a long longer than most. Yeah. Uh, Have you read Kevin Watson's book on class meetings? I have not. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. It, yeah. It's a resource I would recommend for anybody uh, on, on right. class meetings. Yeah. And it's not a big book. Um, but um, yeah. And the, the other thing I think uh, my experience has been too sometimes is that when churches want to get the small group meeting, it, it's not really what Wesley had in mind. It's uh, I have a, I have a, I have a retired pastor friend who's not a Methodist. But he calls he calls some of the small groups experiences that he's had. He calls them the chips and dips crowd, chips and dips gathering, <laughs> where where you don't really do what you're supposed to do. What what Wesley had in mind for class meetings, you just get to better to better and, and eat chips and dip and talk about your families and you know um, uh, yeah a, a lot of uh, yeah a lot of walk to Emmaus fourth day groups turn eventually turn into that turn into that yeah and they have a form they're supposed to go through you know which yeah. has to do with checking in on your spiritual life how you doing on your spiritual life on your study and so many of them don't do it anymore yeah yeah so sounds like we got some work to do yeah. um wow so um uh what what do you I mean in starting the or I should say in taking over the group and you got involved with this group uh, on Facebook um, is it is what is it is it specifically to promote the the holiness heritage is it to promote other things Wesleyan I mean what what is it that that has yeah. been coming out of this that you find helpful or well I, don't know. I I I intend it to be uh, encouragement for or people in the Wesleyan tradition. I know there are people, very conservative 
uh, holiest people there and uh, others in the United Methodist Church. If people are interested in talking about holiness and what the history of this holiness movement has been, um, I'd be glad to have them be part of the group wherever they're coming from. Yeah. It's it's just important. It okay. is. It is important. It is, it's important. It's, it's something that... Yeah, to me, I maybe I've said this already, to me, Wesley's insight that precipitated all of this is uh, sanctification by faith, that it's by faith and not by works. And yeah, uh, that's an important message. And I find my United Methodist, especially friends, do not get that. Yeah. 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 The, you know, I, I, okay, fine. But the... And some of them do get it for crying out loud, <laughs> but um, Methodists just don't get it. It's by faith, and this is how we become uh, the person God created us to be. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay. Wow. Um, try not to cough into the mic here. Um, all right. So we're coming to about uh, getting to about time on our discussion. Um, I really appreciate your. You're taking the moments to do this with me, uh, Craig. Okay. This has been good. Um, let me, I guess the way to, to sum it up is to ask is, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to offer uh, on this on this topic before we move on? Um, well, I think I've said the things that I, I really wanted to say, um, <laughs> though actually when I started this, I didn't know what I wanted to say. Um, well, we've talked about uh, the authors and all of this. Uh, look into this. Don't just drop this. Um, my trajectory of faith, I find, is different than a lot of people. I was brought up, so to speak, in the more liberal, if that's the term, social kind of church back in the 50s. I born in 49. Back, back in those days, that was still a thing. You went to church for social reasons, primarily. And uh, uh, that was all empty, vacuous to me. And maybe there was more there than I was seeing, but I wasn't seeing anything that was worth looking at. I found, I came to Christ in the, in the camp meeting. So that's always been a message of liberation and hope, forgiveness, new life, the power of the Holy Spirit, um, helping you to live every day. Uh, so I find my trajectory of faith is different than a lot of other people. Nowadays, people talk about deconstruction. They were brought up in a very rigid kind of environment. They were going to get away from that. A lot of people who were brought up in the holiness movement are like that. You know, they it was they found it very, very rigid, very structured, very rule-oriented, legalistic. Uh, and what was this entire sanctification thing anyway? I went to the altar. I didn't get that, whatever it was. And so they've rebelled against it. Um, I found there's a great message there <laughs> mm. that delving into the the Wesleyan holiness tradition, uh, you find riches there. And uh, it's a wonderful tradition that too many Methodists want to dissociate themselves from or see it as being heretical and uh we want to get away from that um oh, no no delve into it and by all means read mr wesley himself mm -hmm. um, so if you think these other guys <laughs> were uh too strict on holiness read read the man himself where this all came from and why they're preserving this 
Wesleyan distinctive. Yeah. Well, what was it? Yeah. What was the insight? Yeah. It's an important insight, and it's one well worth hearing again. So in addition to my website, I also maintain a couple uh, blogs on Google, uh, The Hidden Life, which uh, excerpts from uh, the writings of Thomas Upham, who I wish people would read. And the other one is called uh, Steele's Answers, which is a, a uh, I post snippets from the writings of Daniel Steele, some of which I agree with and some of which I don't. But I just put it out there. This is what he said. Um, and I hope people find those things because uh, okay. these the message is still well worth hearing and heeding. Okay. We'll put that the links to all that in our description so people can go to that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. When you were talking about the different tra faith trajectories and journeys is, is, um, you know, uh, uh, bad accounts of holiness do not uh, mean that holiness is not a good thing. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I mean, we all have, and we've all done, by the way, we've all done this, any movement, any, you know, you always get uh, accounts that are inadequate and it's not a reason to, uh, you know, like I, I, I have, I have young people that I meet with on a regular basis who kind of deconstructed, you know, and mm -hmm. deconstructing faith. And I always say to them, I say, you know, de actually, I say, you can go to the Bible and find deconstruction, uh, the biblical characters and deconstruction sure all can. the time. You sure can. I said, what, what I want, what I hope comes out of the deconstruction is that you construct something uh, right. and that you stay in contact and, and with God and construct something uh, out of that. Because, uh, um, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to build something with our faith in life and, and, and faith trajectory journey you talked about your journey that sounds to me like that's what you're talking about that you are you you sought to build this with your life and and the idea of holiness and what god can do through us so yeah okay well craig i want to thank you for this time and uh this has been a great conversation and uh <clears throat> so uh keep up the good work thank you i appreciate that so anyway friends Friends, this is Faith Seeking Understanding. I am Alan Bevere. Uh, the patron saint of Faith Seeking Understanding was Anselm of Canterbury, who said, I do not understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. So friends, keep seeking. Mm -hmm.